Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's quarter number one of our show. Dustin, Penn State, 5-0. Win over Northwestern, now ranked 10th in the country. Everything is perfect. Why <laughs> do I have so many questions, though? Man, I mean, this is this is like warm-up season is over, you know? And I know warm-up season had a couple of tough road trips this time around, but I think that's why. It's like, you know, you, you end this season before the bye week. And obviously, I said the same thing last week about, about 4-0. Any reasonable Penn State fan would love 5-0 through this streak. But, you know, when your two worst performances have come in the past two weeks and they've come against teams that you were heavily favored to beat, it's fair to raise the questions. And I know, you know, Central Michigan, there was a little bit of a lull from Auburn. I get it. Um, you can kind of have the survive in advance. Again, I used that phrase last week. I don't know if you survive in advance two weeks in a, in a row. I think you limp your way through this Northwestern game. And the the five turnovers, I mean, I, I guess the, the silver lining is that is so absurdly uncharacteristic that you have to look at the weather a bit. Um, you know, we can talk a bit more about what they were doing, their running backs as these fumbles were happening. But you, you can you can kind of bet that the five turnovers won't happen again, but it doesn't really feel that way as you're going into the bye. There's clearly some work to do. And at, at different points, I think we've thought Penn State is both is better than what they are right now. We're probably feeling like they're worse than what, what they are. But um, yeah, in the end, I mean, no, no win is nobody goes through, you know, 12 weeks. Perfect. Penn State has had two highly imperfect weeks in a row. I think we just hope, uh, you know, if Penn State fans hope that they go into their bye, they fix it up, and they come out and, and they're ready to play against Michigan. That's what changes the narrative in this one is that you've got a big, bad road trip looming, and you look like that on Saturday. Exactly. And my take, Dustin, was that after the subpar performance against Central Michigan, it wouldn't happen twice in a row practice the coaches beat them up for it i'm sure and the last thing these players want is two more weeks of that because of the bye week or the idle week or however james franklin wants to put it that they would come out ready to play and in our pre-show notes that we send each other i indicated to you that i would be kind of sort of salty jim i called it semi-salty i'm not sure that does semi-salty mean kind of like salted caramel, like a little salty, but a little sweet A little too? sweet. Yeah, well, I just take that saying. as, okay, we have the regular the regular salty gym, and then we've got the new reduced sodium salty gym hitting store shelves this this <laughs> week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if you're, you know, if you have the same flavor as regular salty gym or if this is a sor- <laughs> sort of a cheap knockoff. <laughs> well, l- let me let me tell you where I'm coming from. I rewatched the game uh, on tape, and I'm a little less salty because I saw more good things. The running backs, I still think, are pretty special. But here are the things that are, have made me still a little bit salty. Yes, the running backs, it's, it's raining out. It's sloppy. Hold the ball with two hands, please. And you do it over and over again. Here are the couple issues that I had. 
And I was texting with our buddy and colleague, Andrew P. Shea, who was like, why are you punishing Nick Singleton for fumbling when it's this god-awful weather and it could happen to anybody? And sure enough, it did. So we went a couple quarters without seeing Nick Singleton. Is that the proper way for James Franklin to handle the situation with these guys fumbling? I mean, that's typically your your number one recourse as a coach to to punish a guy for who who's not handling the ball as he should. Now, I mean, this game featured what eight total turnovers. Penn State had three. Northwestern uh, took it away from Penn State five times. So it's like, yeah, everybody was doing it, and then. You know what? It's just funny when you start punishing guys and then all of them do the same thing. You made your whole way back around to Nick Singleton in the end. It's like there's not enough guy. There's not enough guys in this running back room anymore, which we'll get to later to really fully punish. But yeah, I mean, in, in a game, I mean, if you put the ball on the turf, typically, you know, your your confidence as a coach is rattled a little bit. And so you take him out of the game for, for a stretch. And I think that's what happened here. What, what else is James Franklin supposed to do to send a message? Or, or do you agree with Andy that no message really needed to be sent? Um, you know, like I think like it, well, the weather was a problem, but you know, to your point, I didn't see Singleton or anybody else through quarters one through four really run with the ball, run with the ball with two hands on it. I didn't see that at all. And I, I understand like may, it impacts, like if, if, if you're trying to stretch out why, whatever, you, it impacts your mobility, obviously. But maybe when you're bracing for contact, at the very least, put that second hand on the ball. Because, you know, from quarter one through four, that approach didn't change. It's just hard for me to believe after so many fumbles, these guys would run off the field and Jaden Sider wouldn't sit them down and say, listen to me right here, right now. You have two hands on the ball at all times during contact. I didn't see any of that. And I I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think weather is an excuse, but it's not it's not everything because I think you can make some adjustments there. You asked me if I agreed with um, with Andy. And I won't go that far, but I will ask you this question, though. If what you're doing is saying, you know, when you make a silly, stupid, preventable error, son, you're going to come sit next to me for the next series or two. With that in mind, shouldn't the same thing take place with your quarterback who's thrown (laughs) off his back foot? Throw some crap out there for an interception, which was a god-awful throw. Again, off his back foot, throwing across his body, not even close. And if he was just looking to get rid of the ball, he had another receiver closer that was towards the sideline. I believe it was tight end Brenton Strange, where he could have made a play or a safer play in throwing it away. So if that's the rule for your running back, Shouldn't it also be the rule for your quarterback, Dusty? You know, I mean, part of me says, yeah, fair is fair. Um, same philosophy, but, you know, you you play and prepare with multiple running backs in mind. You don't really play and prepare with multiple quarterbacks in mind. Uh, and then I think James Franklin has been, has been very, very conscious for years now about the message that would be sent if he were to, you know, show publicly a lack of confidence in Sean Clifford. And my, my thing with that would be like, yes. I mean, I said the same thing when we were down in Alabama where we were talking about Drew Aller versus Sean Clifford. Yeah. I mean, what you want as a fan, you might as well just forget about it because James Franklin is not making that move. 
James, it's going to take an awful lot more than an interception and one or two near interceptions for James Franklin to, to go to his bullpen and go to Drew Aller. He's not going to do that as a punishment to Sean Clifford. He's not going to operate like that. And whether you call that unfair or, or whether you're disappointed by that as a fan, it doesn't really matter because we've seen for four years now that James Franklin's not going to pull the plug on Sean Clifford unless it's absolutely dire, which we saw in 2020. So I think any thought of that kind of needs to go out the window just to, to face reality in this situation. But, you know, in this game, and I think we've seen over Sean Clifford's career, if he's not dropping back and throwing it in rhythm, he's usually not athletic enough and his arm's not strong enough. And you combine that with a, a little bit of bravado that he's got. And it's a bad recipe. You know, when he throws out a rhythm, when he has to kind of pump fake and then pull it down, he's usually not climbing the pocket. He's usually moving backwards or moving sideways. And when he's in that situation, I mean, he just makes bad decisions and he's not, he's not gifted enough to overcome that. You know, I think Drew Aller can throw off his back foot. Um, I think guys like that can't Sean Clifford can't get away with that stuff. And he tried to in this one, he has lapses where he tries to, and the same is true now in year six, as it was in year three. And I think that's one of the things, you know, going back to the original point of why, you know, they're five and oh, but you've got questions. You've got questions because you saw the same Sean Clifford that you always see. And I think people who were holding out hope that you'd see, you know, some kind of exponential growth from him this season, you know, I think the realization that you're not seeing it and you're probably not going to see it, that also adds to, the, to having some doubts about this team going into the bye. I just think it's unfortunate he doesn't have a seventh season because I'm betting that's when those things would get cleared up, Dusty. Explosive growth in year seven. It happens all the time. I, and I don't know if we have enough time for it because this is where you're going to see the, the the salty part of Jim. I had issues with the play calling, Dustin, and I have a lot to say about it. So for the couple minutes we have left in quarter number one, I'll ask you, did you have any issues with the play calling? Which was heavy run, obviously. Yeah, a little bit. And I know, you know, I know that in the stadium, the the rain was coming in unpredictable patterns and you had to kind of evolve and it it was the, the strategy was changing and all that. But you know, 58 runs to 20 passes, I think, was the final number. And I know the weather kind of indicated that. But when when there were windows and where Penn State chose to pass it, they did have a bit of success in, in the passing game. This was, you know, it, it, to bottom line it for me, you know, number one, Penn State, uh, they were a little too conservative, I think, play calling wise. They uh, overestimated the the weather concerns when it came to the passing game. And I think they underestimated the weather concerns when it came to how you were coaching your running backs in this game when they did have the ball in their hands. Four fumbles kind of says it all. I also feel like when you're running it 58 times, you are playing Northwestern's game. And I know the I, I know the elements guided that. I know the elements were, you know, kind of were, were the reason behind that. But it also felt like to me, um, this was another exhibit of James Franklin. You know, if something goes off script, far off script, sometimes Penn State's just not really ready for that. You know, and I would throw the lightning delays and stuff that that like Michigan State a few years, years ago into that. I think this was not um, by his handbook or his trapper keeper or his binder. And I think Penn State struggled a bit and they, they just skewed conservative. I liked what I saw most of the time when the ball was actually in the running back's hands. But I didn't think there was a, a good reason to really 
you know, not test this Northwestern defense down the field and make them defend the whole field. I think you played into what exactly what they wanted in this game, which was to shorten it and to try to limit explosive plays. Penn State, with their playing calling, played right into that. And Dustin, my take often is when you want to establish the run, the problem is when you become predictable with it. And I have always felt and said, first down is your best opportunity to fool the defense or vary your offense so that you can make your become unpredictable for the defense. So I mentioned that I rewatched the game before we did the show, and I kept track of some things that happened on first down, Dusty. I have the numbers, and I'm going to give them to you come quarter number two. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K-Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It is quarter number two of our show. And a reminder, Dustin, our good friends over at New Trail Brewery, don't forget they brought out their whiteout beer. It's a great double IPA. But if IPAs aren't your thing, if you're looking for, say, a refreshing crisp lager, guess what? They have a new lager out called Crisp Lager. Doesn't that make sense? They also have a few beers they're introducing. It's a little bit of fall weather we're hitting. Well, they have some 
an ember hazy IPA and an Oktoberfest. You just got to hit your place where you get your new trail beer, see what's out new. And if you're out in State College heading out for any of the games, make sure you stop at WR Hickey. I do especially recommend the Whiteout beer. I've shared it with a bunch of friends, family. Everybody loves it. All right, Dusty, it is time. I have teased this, and I know if you're listening to this show, you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, I can't wait till Jim gives us some numbers because that's the most exciting part of our show. Let's talk about first downs. They had, let's see, what is it? Uh, See, and I lost my notes already, Dustin. 27, (laughs) or a total of 34 plays that they ran on first down. 27 of them were running plays. 27 out of 34. Including, they started the first half with five straight running plays on first down. Five times in a row they ran on first down and included runs of minus one, two yards, three yards. In the second half, it got even worse. The first eight first downs, they ran the ball eight times, eight out of eight. So you say, well, wait a minute. How did they do then passing the ball? Go ahead. Ask me, Dustin. Say, Jim, uh, how did they do passing the ball? On first down, let me tell you, Dusty, they were 5 for 7 passing the ball on first down for 54 yards, including the touchdown to Brenton Strange. They had several nice chunk plays, 12, 20, 15 yards, passing the ball on first down when they weren't necessarily expected to pass the ball. Now, you can't go through the whole game just saying, well, we're going to run the ball on every down. So if you have to put some passing plays in, wouldn't it make sense to do it when they don't expect it so much, when you could surprise them a little bit, say on first down? Tell me, Dusty, why I am not coaching this team. I think general lack of experience, um, (laughs) lack of football ability, lack of football skill, communication issues, um, leadership issues. uh, But I don't want to keep going on that. I want to get to the the main point, which is uh, first down tendencies here. Um, But I I do feel like this for for the first time, like I think um, at Purdue in week one, you had this like mandate that no matter what was happening in the game, we will run the ball. We said we were going to do it in the winter. We said we were going to do it in the spring. Now here we are week one. Don't make a liar of me. Let's run the ball. And it had that sort of square peg round hole kind of feel. And in this one, yeah, going back to it. Yes. The elements you are going to run more than you would typically. However, you know, I, I would love to see, uh, some ten like set up the tendency and then break the tendency. Play action, you know this. Just the 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 inability or lack of desire or however whatever is going on with the deep passing game uh, was present in this one too. When I think it was there for the taking, if they would just take the shots. Um, again, weather is behind a lot of this, but I think they went too far in the one, in the, in the one direction. And then, you know, when you look at the, the running performance overall, you know, 58 carries for 220 and a touchdown average 3.8 yards per carry Singleton and Allen both average 4.1 yards per carry. When you take that predictability element into it, 
you know, that, that stat line looks a little bit better considering they were running into what everybody in the stadium knew was coming, but I would have liked to see it. Yeah. Okay. If you want to run the ball on first down, if that's important to you, go for it, but you gotta, you gotta break the tendency and, and take a shot as a result of that. When you start to see the defense coming downhill. So I don't in general have a lot of problem with running the ball more, but I, I felt like it, again, it played right into Northwestern's hands. If you're going to get yourself off schedule on first down more often than not, you're, you know, you're playing into that defense's hands. Well, the other part too, and I think we might uh, debate this a little bit in your notes that you sent me, Dustin, you talked about going deep, stretching the field a bit. And, there was specifically I'm for the idea of you could still pass short. In fact, I trust Sean Clifford getting the ball out quickly and not having to throw the ball deep. But, and I'll give you the, I thought the best example in the game when they're the defense, which we will talk about. I, they were spectacular. They made the yep. goal line stand. Penn state had the ball on their own one yard line. And before the play in the press box, I turned to the person sitting next to me and I said, if I were them, I'd do play action pass on first down. And he's like, oh, test them, throw it deep. No, just just throw a short pass. And sure enough, they did that, which was breaking a tendency. And I think they picked up about seven yards. It was a quick pass, quick hitter after play action. Now you've got second and three, and it becomes much easier now to run the ball, especially after you just established, I'm willing to throw the ball. Yeah, and I I want to see more deep shots, but in this particular game, uh, I would have been okay with what you're describing too. And I, I think in that case, you know, you have a significant advantage uh, in space when it comes to speed and athleticism, especially with your wide receivers, that you can put that to use. You know, I know I'm sure the footing wasn't the best, but uh, I also feel like that doesn't always um, benefit the defensive player who has to respond to what the offensive player is doing. You know, I think break tendency and and do what you had been doing for so long, which was create situations where your guys can get yards after the catch. I thought more of that could have been beneficial. 58 runs to 20 passes. I don't know. You know, obviously I haven't looked back over James Franklin's tenure at Penn State, but that has to be one of the top two or three run-to-pass ratios that he's ever had here. Um, you know, 58 to 20, like, in this day and age, if you're 50-50 run and pass, then you're run-heavy. That's that's the way the game is going. So for them to be 58 to 20 is pretty extraordinary, and I think – you know, the, the, there were measures that were needed because of the conditions and all that, but I think they went overboard in, in how conservative they actually were being. And if you're not taking opportunities to make plays, if you're not trying to make chunk plays and they can say all day long that they thought they could make some on the, in the ground game. And I'm sure they could, you know, I, I think you're just letting Northwestern off the hook. You know, they're a solid stout group that if you're only going to run the ball between the tackles on them, it doesn't really take advantage of where your biggest advantage was, which is in speed and athleticism and talent. I'm I'm with you on that, Dusty, and I don't think we saw, and I think this is one of the things that I have as an issue with James Franklin is, as you described that first Purdue game, where he spent all summer saying, we're going to establish the running game, and no matter what, that's what they were going to do. 
it was kind of like I think when Central Michigan at halftime when he says, gee, they're doing a cover zero, we should be able to punish them for this and beat them deep. And I think they forced some balls because they mandated it instead of playing to the situation. And this predictability, this forcing the run, it turned into you. there was the one play where third and long, the end zone pass, they had one-on-one Trey Wallace, but he was actually covered pretty well. But that was a, you know, a run, run, pass, kick, you know, that old, the criticism we had of Joe Paterno 20 years ago when he started getting so predictable. And you're seeing that James Franklin wanted to win that way. Now, the argument could be the conditions were so bad and they just were so confident that they could beat Northwestern. Let's face it, it took five turnovers to make this a close game, okay? You really didn't expect you know, four fumbles and you don't expect your sixth year senior to make the mistakes that he made, which leads to the question, Dusty. Okay. Here's where they're at with Sean Clifford. You know, what can we expect from him going forward? Man, I I think there's going to be more of the same. I I don't think the tendencies that we've seen from him are going to go away when you get into Michigan's defense and Ohio State's defense, for example. You know, the where, where things are going to speed up. Windows are going to close faster. Um, you know, the, the, the edge pressure is going to get there faster. He's going to know this. They're, they're going to be coached a little bit better. So, you know, I think if he's not going to be able to throw in rhythm a lot of the time against Michigan or, or Ohio State. And I think you're going to see, you know, him revert back to who he is. I mean, yeah, yeah, admire the guts. Uh, He is capable in many situations of making a play to move the chains with his legs, uh, capable of making, you know, big time throws every so often. I want to ask a question. Could I interrupt you? Yeah, well, I mean, but I I think you get where I was going with that is that – you know, like I, I, I don't have any reason to believe that Sean Clifford is going to change his stripes that much in the second half of year four as a starter. You you hit on something that I've forgotten to ask you about, which is you said about Sean Clifford using his feet. Why didn't we see that at all? You know, on this zone read, the option often is I either give it to the running back or run. I understand RPO, pass the ball, but a lot of them – the option is, if the defensive end is collapsing, it leaves things open for the quarterback. How come we're not seeing that from Sean Clifford at all, it seems? Well, I mean, my I, I would give one of two answers, and then maybe it's a combination of the two things. Maybe one is that the coaches are keeping that in their back pocket and at the same time limiting wear and tear on, on Sean Clifford in these other games. And number two is I think generally speaking, the tougher the game and the more tough situations the offense is in, the higher the probability the coaching staff is going to lean on Sean Clifford's legs. I think for the most part in, in five games so far, it hasn't been a necessary piece But not only is that a necessary piece going forward for Sean Clifford to do some damage, but that threat has to be present in order to maximize opportunities for the running backs too because they're going to have to start actually making reads on this thing and not just assume the back's going to get it. That that is exactly it, Dusty. And I hope you're right that it's just a case of we're holding back that aspect of the offense because 
we felt confident we could win these games without that element. All right, Dusty, I promised we would talk about the defense. We're going to get there in quarter number three. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim. He's Dusty. And we're talking Penn State football. We're talking specifically about the Penn State-Northwestern game. Dustin, the gauntlet is coming up after this bye week. It's on the road against Michigan, then home against Minnesota in the whiteout game, then huge game, of course, home game the following week with Ohio State. We've been talking to you about GoPSURV.com as a great way to spend the weekend. I stopped by there this weekend while I was in State College, Dusty. I got a chance to talk to Mark. He has told me they are almost sold out for Minnesota and Ohio State weekends. But if you're still interested, you're still looking for a place to stay for that weekend and you want to have a lot of fun, it's a great way to do it. And it's especially nice, that late whiteout game. You don't have to worry about driving home. You don't even have to worry about driving back to the RV lot. They'll take you back. Uh, great opportunity to enjoy the entire weekend. That's gopsurv.com. If you want more information, specific info, just call Mark at 800 519 8467. 
I think this is even more important now, Jim, that they're selling beer inside the stadium. Typically, it's like drink, 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 drink. Then I've got three and a half hours to sober up. Then then I can maybe drive home or whatever. Nope. You don't have to spend that three and a half hours sobering up. It just affords you a whole new set of options. Game day, Jim. Dustin, leave it to you to make the best point. And I forgot to ask Mark if they still, if he still has the beer on the bus for the run. You know, it's like five, ten minute drive, so you can't go that long without some beer, right? Yeah, the the party can't stop. And I think that I've said this a bunch of times, like the party stops when you decide it stops now. And that, again, that includes being able to drink a few beers in Beaver Stadium, especially when you're wallowing in the cold, rainy, 17-7 Northwestern conditions. Why not huddle up down in the concourse, drink away some of your sorrows, and then come back? Uh, if you want life advice, folks, turn come to, to me, Dusty. baby. Okay. All right, Dustin, let's get back to football. As much as we all want to hear about you and drinking, let's talk about this Penn State defense, which there was no letdown. And I'll tell you what, every week I like Manny Diaz more and more. Now, I realize he's got a lot of talent there to work with, but I, I saw, again, watching the, the replay where they had the shots of him after a big stop. He was as excited as his players, I, and I love that enthusiasm. I think he's been fantastic, and once more, just an impressive outing by his team on defense. Yeah, I think just speaking to the energy side of it, you know, if you can extrapolate what you see on game day for these momentous plays and, uh, you know, put that in practice and in the meeting rooms and stuff like that, you know, one of the hallmarks of a really good defense you know, like schematically, obviously, you need you need a defense that can cause problems. You need length. You need edge rush edge rushers. You know what the ingredients are from a physical standpoint. But the best defenses really swarm to the ball. They really when the ball comes out or when a running back has it, everybody makes their way to the football. And I think when you have a, a, a defensive leader like him and he is showing the same energy that you are, he's rejoicing in the the hours and hours and hours of preparation paying off, if not more than you, at least as much as you are, then I really think that it feeds into that collective mentality of we're going to swarm and make a play. And I think that at its core now, we've seen unique stuff. We've seen unique blitzes. We've seen them, you know, excel in coverage, all that stuff. But I think the energy of the defense matches the energy of the man. And if that continues to be the case and he, you know, they continue to match Manny Diaz's aggressive energy, then I think we're going to keep seeing some of the same results. So I think, you know, as much as it just seems like a coach going rah-rah and stuff, like I do think it's important for the defense and, and that rallying mentality to have, you know, that type of energy on the sidelines. Let's talk about some of the individual players on defense and plays that they made. This was a game, at least I'm going to start with the veterans, Dusty, and I'm going to start with Jair Brown. It just seemed like so often someone coming up, making a play up at the line of scrimmage. Was he playing linebacker this game? You just saw him in the box so many times making a play. 
you know, that that tackle for loss that he had, he looked like a linebacker, except, you know, made the read, saw the opening, knew where, you know, knew the the trajectory of, of the ball carrier and where he was going with it and just exploded. And I think that's one of the things about him is that um, he can diagnose and he can attack and he can make a play in every which way you've asked of him. You've seen him make a play on on uh, blitzes. You've seen him make a play when the ball's in the air and he's he's taking a beeline to where it's going. You've seen him, like, in this case, where in run defense, he diagnosed and got after it. He intercepted a pass. He hurried the quarterback on one occasion. It was almost like the, the Jair Brown, uh, his, his career game film played out in this game. The range of plays he's capable of making. And his willingness and ability to come down and support the run. I mean, all this stuff, you know, it, it makes him the same type of playmaker that Jaquan Brisker was. And we saw him as a second round pick. I think Jair Brown is going to be viewed as, as a very similar prospect. Uh, can make a full gamut of plays. Uh, isn't afraid to be physical. And you saw it in this game. Just so important to have somebody who's rangy and who you can use as a real weapon. When you've got a safety who you can put almost anywhere on the field and they can at least hold their own, no matter what you're asking them to do, boy, you that that really is such a Swiss army knife for your defense. And you see it like with the, the Steelers and Mika Fitzpatrick. You've seen it with, you know, Tyron Matthew over the years um, at the pro level. That do-it-all safety uh, is so important for your defense. And the fact that he is not the only playmaker on this defense is what really you know, it makes me think that Penn State has a chance in every game they play because the defense can create turnovers and they can create negative yardage situations. And Jair Brown, I mean, I just can't say enough about um, the the type of range that he's got as a playmaker on defense. It's definitely the case, and I think we'll we'll talk about it more next week <clears throat> as the prelude uh, leading up to Michigan. How this defense as with so many playmakers, at the very least has a puncher's chance against a Michigan, against an Ohio State. But I also I want to talk about a few other guys, uh, Dustin. One of them is P.J. Mustafer. You know how that defensive tackle, that guy, that rock in the middle, might play the whole game, might be taking on double teams every seemingly every play, not even make it onto the stat sheet. This is the position that does all the dirty work. And maybe it's because of this, the sloppy field, both teams trying to establish a run. It was nice to see P.J. Mustafer not only play his steady way he always does, but also get into the box score and lead the team in tackles for this game. Yeah, if your defensive tackle is making eight tackles in a game, especially a game where they attempted 37 passes. You know, I think, I think that's kind of a best case scenario. You know, I think um, you typically, you don't like to see your cornerback or your safety lead the team in tackles. And I think similarly, you don't, I think it's good if, if, if they're not making it to the second level of your defense, then that's a, that's a pretty darn good thing. So I think that kind of speaks to how active and how busy he really was. How he wasn't just occupying blockers. He was making the play every single time that it came to him. So I really like your point that uh, so much dirty work and hard work uh, by by somebody like PJ Mustafer isn't always or um, you know rewarded with stats. It's nice to see him have the, the level of game that he had and get that get those eight tackles uh, in there. Those are eight tackles that the linebackers didn't have to make. 
<laughs> exactly. Now, we're going to get to the overall thing with the team, but this quarter I do want to hit on a couple more players. Um, Hakeem Beeman made his presence felt, batting down two passes back-to-back. And the other two I'd like to highlight thus and get your thoughts on are back-to-back plays, Chop Robinson, and then Abdul Carter. Just stonewalled running backs. And I believe it was even Abdul Carter came in and, and essentially absorbed a double team to allow Chop Robinson the opening. And then the very next play, Abdul Carter gets to make the play. So big plays from all three of those players. And, and I think that, you know, what we talked about with having a full range of playmakers on Penn State's defense, I mean, Abdul Carter plays with a little bit of reckless abandon. He's fast, he's strong, he's physical. And you got to, I mean, as an offense, you've got to prepare yourself for that. He commands the, the, to have more than one guy blocking him sometimes. Chop Robinson commands more than one guy blocking him. Adisa Isaac commands more than one blocker. You know, when these cornerbacks and safeties come in, you really have to account for them. The problem is, you don't have enough bodies to really give every one of these Penn State defenders the full due, uh, the, the full treatment that they need in order to keep them off your running back or keep them off your quarterback. And I think you saw the, these guys make plays in this game where they were you know, physically able to just shoot gaps and with so much speed and, and strength and athleticism, you know, it's, it's just kind of inevitable that these plays are going to get made. And I think with, with these two guys on back-to-back plays, that's what happened. You know, I think I think they really um, are tough to handle because they are so athletic and they're so aggressive and they made aggressive athletic plays. And the other guy who made a big play, and I was very happy from Tar Burton is usually considered he's not the guy who's going to make the big play. He's the defensive end. He's there to stop the running game. Well, didn't he look like one of those uh, quarterback rushing type Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton types on that big play that he made. You know, he he uh, made a good move, turned the corner, got the edge, and he got he got there in a pretty, you know, I think I don't I didn't have a stopwatch out or anything, but that was a pretty good time from three point stance to to bearing down on the quarterback. And good for him you know, kind of was the man on the spot to recover an early fumble and then got there on, on this strip sack with a nice pass rush move on the outside. Uh-oh, Dustin. Looks like we lost your microphone there, but our timing couldn't be better. That's the end of quarter number three. I promise we'll get Dustin's mic taken care of and we'll be back for quarter number four with Dustin on board. And by the way, I couldn't agree with you more on Nick Tarburton and then that play. Hopefully that's a harbinger of things to come from him. Having another uh, defensive end who could reach the quarterback is never a bad thing. As I said, that is it for quarter number three. Stick around. We still have more to go with quarter number four. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Dustin Hawkinsmith. We've been going over the Penn State Northwestern game. And uh, last couple things, Dusty, while we're still on the defense to talk about, there were some things just as a team they did so well. First of all, you mentioned about how they held Northwestern to such a low uh, number of yards per carry. And the interesting thing with that is that Evan Hall, he ha- he had like a 30-yard carry, okay? Now, you can't take it out. That's part of the game statistics. But outside of that run, they completely shut them down as far as the running game, didn't they? Yeah, and, and I think uh, Northwestern, they were talking, you know, Dan Orlovsky was talking about it during the broadcast. They got away from Evan Hall pretty quick. You know, their, their best offensive player, they haven't used him. Um, they didn't use him very much. You take out that tw- long of 29, I think there was a long of six yards. Um, so not a lot of big plays being made there. The floodgates open once for Evan Hall. And I think, it, you know, if they would have run him more, maybe they they would have gotten another big play along the way. But um, but Penn State takes that away. You know, I, th- I, think, I think Penn State is perfectly fine with daring mediocre quarterbacks like Ryan Holinsky. Uh, to to try to beat them with his arm, and you know I think I think they're very comfortable and confident in both the pass rush and the, and the coverage on the back end with those uh, you know that extraordinary group of defensive backs. I think they're okay doing that, and I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks on Penn State's schedule that can really burn them on a consistent basis, and it might only be C.J. Stroud really. So I I wouldn't see any reason to believe that that strategy is going to change very much, where they're going to. You know, there's going to be a lot of bodies near the line of scrimmage. There's going to be some illusion to it. You're going to have them drop into coverage. You're going to have some funky stuff going on. 
uh, blitzes coming from different angles. You're not really going to be able to see it or read it as a quarterback. But in the end, I mean, I think they're they're going to keep trying to dare you to pass to pass on them, and uh, and and I think so far so good as far as that goes. You know, there's a lot of things that you can point to in this game and have questions about it. But I think the stoutness of the Penn State defense and their ability to make plays, their ability to stop the run, their ability to you know speed up the passer, all those things we've seen, we've seen them for all five weeks, and we saw them again, even as ugly as this game was against Northwestern. And that's partially why, Dusty, I said in watching the the game tape, I was less salty about this game because I believe they started the game with, what, five in a row, three and outs on defense? That if you, I know, again, the fumbles are part of the game and credit Northwestern for forcing some of those fumbles. But the fact is, if you had gotten anything from this offense – this, this game would have been a blowout, and it's still nice to see this Penn State running game is still there. I mean, Catron Allen and, uh, and Nick Singleton are still players, okay? We still see yep. that explosiveness, and hopefully this was just lesson learned for the two of them. I do want to get into the entire running back room in a second, Dusty, but I also feel we do not give enough credit to Barney Amore, the punter. Now, any punter just about could have a good game or two. The ball bounces correctly for them. You know, it just, the bounce goes your way. Ball lands in the 10-yard, goes out of bounds or just checks up. When you do it every single game, though, it's now a trend. Yeah, He's very good, and he's very- a difference maker. Yeah, very very good with placement of punts. Even the punts that are that you know that don't go coffin corner out of bounds, they're angled in the right direction. The coverage team is there. They're inside the 10. We've seen him, I don't know what is it, like two or three occasions where it looks like it's clearly going to bounce into the end zone but stops dead in its tracks. I mean, that's not a fluke either. And I think in this game, you know, 58 runs and 20 passes kind of suggests that the coaches were content to win the field position battle and allow their athletes to kind of eventually win the game and take it over over 60 minutes. You don't really do that without confidence that your punter isn't going to squander your entire strategy. If you're, if your punter is going to boot it through the back of the end zone, three or four of those times, then you're the, the way that you're calling the game and playing the game. Um, yeah, it's kind of moot at that point. So I think especially in a game like this with weather conditions that you're running it a lot, and you're relying on your defense and special teams to win it for you. You know, Barney Moore was part of that winning effort. You know, defense and special teams were, you know, really, really good in this game, and they absolutely needed to be. Dusty, what a gift it would be if I could make my short irons check up like his uh, his punts do. Anyway, I said we would get to that running back room, and I'd like to do that now. We had a situation here in this game where, you know, We didn't know why, but there was no Devin Ford for the game. We didn't know why. There was no Catron Allen for the first half. And tell me if I'm wrong. It had to have been discipline for Catron Allen. There was no other reason. You're not injured for just the first half of the game. I'm sure it's not a strategy to hold them out for a half. So when James Franklin wants to keep this stuff in-house, well, James, I... I think we saw through you on this one, right? Yeah, who who knows what it was if there was 
Yeah, I'm not even going to mention possibilities because it's unfair to everybody, but clearly there was some kind of disciplinary action. You know, the way that he goes through his rotations, it does, it's never included a really good guy who's coming off his best game, a 100-yard game. Uh, it never includes uh, keeping him out for the first 30 minutes. That, that has never been part of the strategy. So clearly something going on there. But then how about, how about him sitting out for the first 30 minutes and still getting 21 carries uh, in the second half? The combination of it's raining, it's sloppy, Nick Singleton is sitting because he fumbled twice, and then Kevon Lee drops the ball too. So that's how you end up with 20 carries. Uh, you know, again, I don't have a problem with James Franklin not getting into the specifics, but I think he could, he would be doing the players a favor if he would just say, this is injury related. This is not injury related. That's fine. I think that's all people need to know. It leaves, I think there's less conjecture done. And I personally think the most unfair thing is if a guy's out because of injury, but we don't know that. So there's conjecture about it being something else. That's really unfair. Um, I I did want to ask you your thoughts on Devin Ford. And again, afterwards, it's, well, he's, he's left to concentrate on academics. Dustin, my take is... It's no coincidence that it happened after the fourth game, which means he maintains his redshirt year and would be able to play somewhere else. So uh, I'm not going to get going to get into the ins and outs of the conversation that I had with his parents on the on the shuttle bus at the Baltimore airport. But I did say to them that, um, you know, it's nice to see Devin have a role on this team. I think it would also be nice to see Devin get to touch the ball a little bit more. And they did not disagree with me on that one. Um, I do think this kind of sets the stage for him to maybe get to the finish line with his degree, put all of his focus into that and really be in the best shape possible to transfer for one more season and look for a bigger role someplace else. That's my read on the situation. I can't really fault um, Devin for that and his, and his family. I think it makes sense. I, I, and a lot of people were a little bit surprised that he was back, uh, frankly for, for this season, because it didn't look like his role was going to grow any, but he wanted to get to the finish line and he wanted to, uh, stay with his teammates and he wanted to keep working at it. And I think he deserves some credit for that. James Franklin said something about having kind of like the utmost respect for Devin. He's, he's hung around and he's stuck it out in this day and age of, transfer here, transfer there, guys dropping, you know, going someplace else at the drop of a hat. I mean, I think, uh, I think Devin Ford is a little bit refreshing and, you know, he just didn't get the payout uh, in the end that he, that he was looking for. And so maybe when he gets an opportunity, um, maybe he transfers a little bit closer to his Virginia home. I know he had a bunch of offers from all up and down the East coast. Uh, I think Penn state fans will be wise to root for this kid. If he ends up in a different uniform next year. How about an early prediction? How about Old Dominion? I mean, that makes a world of sense, man. Location-wise, the Penn State pipeline-wise, being able to demonstrate his talent. Um, Ricky Ronnie doing a good job and being familiar with him. You know, Zach Kuntz kind of getting that NFL opportunity. I mean, it makes a world of sense. And if Devin Ford shows, you know, what he can do, there's still a shot for him to continue his playing career after the college level. And... uh, just the running back room itself, 
Kane, Holmes, Ford now gone. All of a sudden, it's very talented. Goes three deep, but it goes exactly three deep. And with the recruit for next year coming off a major knee injury, and and if you're Kevon Lee, and you know you're the third of three equals, would you be surprised if he looked around? This becomes a very thin running back room, where whether it's the transfer portal or hope fingers crossed another recruit coming in. Yeah, I think uh, probably both at this point, if I'm guessing. I'd probably defer to the, the real recruiting analyst on this one. But given the question marks about London Montgomery, uh, very talented, severe knee, knee injury before his, his season really began, uh, I, I would expect them to be in the market for a second running back in the 2023 class. It, it would seem to make sense. Uh, I would also not be surprised, and maybe it's just if Kevon Lee were to pursue greener pastures someplace else, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit the transfer portal for somebody like uh, like they got from from Baylor last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they are going to be in the market for a little bit of a depth chart rejuvenation there. You know, you are uh, uh, an injury, whether it's a mild one in, in game or, you know, something major from Tank Smith having a role on this team. Uh, I don't know. That's that's where you're. Uh, all the way comfortable, but you have three scholarship running backs and they use three scholarship running backs as we've seen. So one injury and you are in kind of a sticky situation here. And I don't know whether, you know, if the, an adjustment were to need to be made, maybe somebody, you know, moves from a different position um, to, to give some depth at running back like CJ Thorpe did going from O-line to D-line a couple of years ago. That would be interesting. Who's your candidate? Oh boy, I don't know. I mean, maybe use uh, Parker Washington in that role or something. I, I don't know. I don't really have a good one queued up in this amount of time we've got. But there's plenty of good guys who who were multi, who were double threat players in high school. Some of them on you know pretty young safety types that maybe they can run the ball too. There does seem to be some athletic type that the conversation will have to hold for next week when you've said Parker Washington. Well, it's not like they have a, a boatload of wide receivers making a dent there either, uh, Dusty. Unfortunately, we're out of time. That's it for our show. Dustin, great job as usual. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with GoPSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with GoPSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, 
local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 